0: This is the Professional Stepdad Podcast, where we share stories, strategies, and ideas from men just like you. To answer one question and one question only, how can I be a better stepdad? Welcome back to the Professional Stepdad Podcast. I'm your host, Franco Zavala, episode 31. This is take 36. Technical difficulties can get a little bit frustrating. I'm in Arizona. It's hot. Um, posed a question on Facebook, got a lot of questions post back at me, started a conversation. Episode 30 is what I, I answer these questions. Um, which again is starting more conversations, which is amazing. That's the, that was my objective of posting my question or my statement on Facebook because I wanted to start an actual conversation to see where everybody's like, mindset was at and where their, their values lie and all that other stuff. So I was in a conversation with, a um, with an amazing lady on Facebook and, and she asked me this question. So I answered a question about like, how did my wife get me to engage in the value of the little things that I was doing in our marriage? that we're irritating her or that we're just kind of getting under her, you know, under her skin. And as men, sometimes that we have a problem placing value on the little things that our partners want because we don't see it as a, uh, like a dire need or a necessity or like it really matters because again, we have, we placed no value on it. It's, it's not valuable to us. So then we brush it off. We make jokes about it. Um, and then, before you know, you end up getting in an argument because you know, you can't put the toothpaste, the, yeah, the toothpaste in the drawer, or you can't pick up your shoes. So for for here, we're gonna kind of go through these different questions. Now, there's a lot of questions within the bigger statement or the comment that she left me, so I'm gonna be flying through these. Um, so she speaks about manly men, like guys, the the male alpha dogs, the, the ones that have, you know, that are Unwilling and incapable to let go of that false narrative that was uh, like embedded in our subconscious mind, especially my generation as we grew up, that men are men and we work hard and you know we have rough hands and uh, we don't cry, we don't connect with our emotions, uh, you know, all these little stupid, stupid things that. That are placed with there. For instance, for me, um, not only was I that alpha male growing up, as far as like how my dad raised me, but then I joined the army, and it just expanded my belief of what an alpha male should be. Um, And then I became a mortgage broker, which made it even worse. Um, And it just kind of, I just kind of, I I, I kept going down this this path of don't show your emotions, you don't need help for anything, I could solve the problems on my own. Um, and when I didn't place any value on something, it held no space in my subconscious to make me want to change or to fix it or to even address it because I have no value in it. And that's where I'm gonna, I'm going to parlay into this question because the answer to this is the value that one places on a situation the little idiosyncrasies that we do within our relationships that irk us or irk our partners. We all do it. None of us are perfect. I was guilty of it. I'm still guilty of it. I'm still working on it. But that's the thing. The difference between um, me and my scenario and most people is, is that I, I, I became aware of it, and then I consciously put effort into wanting to fix it. Understanding that when I placed value that it, it was valuable to my wife, that it helped our relationship in the end. So she she says here, um, what advice do you have for the woman who is pointing this behavior out to her partner and he just isn't capable of assigning the um, the complaint value because he doesn't agree it should matter? Okay, so. When you have a partner that is not s- assigning a value for your, inst- for the way you said it, a complaint value. So when you have a partner that is not assigning this value to let's say, for instance, dirty clothes on the floor or clothes all over the place, and they don't see it as a problem, they don't, they don't see it as a problem. Um, in some circumstances, they see it as like, you should do it. You should pick it up. Like, why can't you get it? I work all day. However, you know, there's a lot of different ways to fill out, you know, to fill in the blanks on that sentence or that phrase. But, um, when when your partner hasn't placed any value on the thing that is getting under your skin, it's simply because the communication between you and your partner is not there. Now that doesn't mean having conversations. That doesn't mean sitting down and saying, listen, I really am, I, it really gets on my nerves. Why can't you just put your clothes in the laundry basket? Why can't you do the little things that will help me within the home. Because when when you sit down and you go straight at your partner like that without understanding how to properly communicate with them, the way most people will react to your action is defense. But I just get 20 minutes to relax when I come home instead of being attacked with questions and nag the whole damn thing. You think that I nag you? That's all you do. All you do is nag me. The bathroom's a mess. Your belt doesn't match. Hey, Gary, you should probably go work out. Nothing I ever do is ever good enough. I just want to be left the hell alone. Really? Is that what you want, Gary? Is that what you want? Yeah. That's what you want? Yeah. Fine. Great. Do whatever the hell you want. You leave your socks all over this house, dress like a pig, play your stupid ass video game. I don't care. I'm done. What? I am done. I don't deserve this. I really do not deserve this. I deserve somebody who gives a shit. I'm not spending one more second of this life with some inconsiderate prick. You're a prick. So for men, especially alpha males who feel like their pride or manlyhood or you name, however you want to stamp and define that, is being attacked. Even if it's not, we're gonna feel attacked we are going to, we are going to immediately jump on the defense. We, for the really smart ones, we are going to devalue what you said in a way to make it seem like it doesn't really matter. Like, is it really that big of a deal that I don't put my clothes in the laundry basket? I mean, is it really, come on. I mean, there's so much, we have famine and racism and coronavirus. I mean, is it really, I mean, is it really that big of a deal? The answer is, yeah, it is, man. It really is that big of a deal. I mean, you when you say things, when you try to bring in examples of the outside world and outside circumstances to devalue what your partner is saying, what you are really saying is, Listen, what you're saying to me not only holds no value, but you're saying it in a way that I'm going to go on the defense and there's absolutely no way that I'm going to lose this conversation. And therefore, I'm going to say whatever it takes so that we can either argue and we end up not talking for a few hours or days or months, depending on your relationship. Or we get into a real big fight to where, you know, it just is going to just take another, another dent. It's going to take another piece of our relationship and, and destroy it. Or you're going to talk about it and you're going to agree because you just want to get the hell out of the conversation. And then at the end of the day, you just wipe it on the, you know, sweep it on the rug and you put no, you don't, you, you don't talk about it again until it happens again. And it's something that probably occurs. If you're leaving all your clothes out, then you're leaving your shoes out. You're probably leaving the cups on the, and the dishes out. You're probably doing all these little things that, guess what, men, you don't even probably realize you're doing it because you've been doing it so long. And because you've placed no value on it and you don't give a shit what other people think. Uh, You're going to continue to do it. And the problem is, is that uh, you need to to fucking stop it. Like, really stop. You need to stop. um, You need, okay, how do I say this? You need to, you need to, you need to take a step back and look at the situation for what it is. If your partner, your wife, your fiance, if, if your partner is, is constantly bringing up a subject for instance clothes on the floor laundry on the floor um and it's a it's all it's it continuously happens it happens and happens and happens happens that should be a wake-up call for you because what you're doing when you don't just place a little bit of value on the laundry i mean let's talk i mean really let's think about that clothes are on the floor laundry basket t- you know 10 feet away how hard is it to pick up the laundry and just put it away you know as men, we say, why is it such a big deal? And women say, because it is. And men, that's all they need to say, because it is. I mean, we say things to them that we want them to stop. There are there are really evil men out there that are in relationships that will look at their significant others and they'll say things like, you know, I really want you to get in shape or lose weight or why do you eat? So, I mean, they they are attacking their, their character and they're attacking who they are as a person and their self-worth, which is why there are a lot of relationships where women are just afraid to say something to their partner because they have a fear of what might happen, not physically, but emotionally, you know, psychologically. So, you know, back to the question, which is what advice you give for a woman who is pointing out behavior. The the advice I can give to you is this. Um, if you can't properly communicate with your husband because you don't understand their love language, then Every time that you bring up this matter, he's going to go on the defense. Give you an example. For me, I felt I've been doing personal growth and development, self work for since like two thousand seven. That's when I really started on my I under need to fix me first kind of thing, and um, I didn't. Uh, I didn't think that I was ever really. Like, I didn't think that I was ever incapable of listening properly to my wife when she would say things that meant something to her. But I learned real quickly that, you know, I was subconsciously trained to react and do certain things and respond to certain questions or accusations in a way to make it feel like my wife was afraid to just ask me questions or to involve me. And I would say these things from my nonverbal language. She would say things like, Hey, can you help take the kids to dance tonight? And I'm like, fine. See, just even that little, yeah, fine. It's a nonverbal way when I drop my shoulders and I tilt my head and I do the sigh of the breath, which is why are you bothering me with what you can keep, what you can be doing? And then it got to a point in my relationship where she was just afraid to ask for any help. And then guess what? It pissed me off when she would be in a bad mood because she was overwhelmed, and I'm like, "Why don't you ask me for help?" <laughs> you see what I mean? I was blinded by my own um, stupidity. You know, I was blinded by my own like, like my own ways in this, this, these habits and these, in these, in these values that I had within me, and because of that, I was my wife and I weren't properly communicating with one another. And it took, it took time and energy from myself first to fully understand that I have to be present and I have to be listening. Men, for some strange reason, we have a tendency to want to lean towards the solve the problem type. You know, I want to solve the issue, solve the problem, fix everything. And sometimes, probably most of the time, our, our, our significant others want us to just listen. Listen to their day, listen to their problems, listen to their ideas. Don't try to solve everything. You'll know when it's time to solve a problem because you'll get asked the question, can you please help? And, um, anyway, so when I realized that about myself and I needed to change, that was step one, but step two was understanding that the communication between my wife and I, although we had a great relationship, our communication was way off, was completely wrong. So when she would come at me with accusations, I would respond with anger and, and and defense. And then it ended up getting us nowhere other than fights and arguments and times where we didn't talk to one another, which is just, just planting different tiny seeds of um, of, uh, of fear that the relationship could crumble one day. So I had to wake up. I had a a 100% wake up. So when you say, you know, what advice do you give women who are pointing, you know, need to point this out to their men, my first response is always gonna be, you gotta fully understand how to communicate with your husband or your partner in a way that he doesn't immediately go on the defense. My wife, the way she decided to do it with me is the Oreo effect. She said something extremely nice, then asked me for something, and then said something extremely nice again. And it worked, it worked 100% because she fed my love language, which is words of affirmation. Then she asked me for the thing that she needed help on or something that I needed to start working on. And then she again said, I really appreciate you taking the time to listen to me. And it was, it was so simple, but it was so big that, it, that, that that just worked. Now, mind you, that was just the starting point. We ended up developing a way and a system to where we could play like almost like a board game with, with one another in our relationship to where we can actually commit to doing things for one another throughout the month, um, in a fun and creative way. And this board game, you guys can't see it. It's behind me, but this board game was fun because we picked out four things in our relationship that we really needed to focus more on. Right. For my wife, my wife is physical touch. Um, so I would, you know, you pick these, you, you pick four items that you want to accomplish throughout the month. And the cool thing about this game is your relationship, some months are amazing. You don't feel like you need the game. And then some months you're like, you know, we really need to play the game again. We need to step back and go, okay, what are the four things right now that you would like me to start doing for you? So when we started, my, my wife's four things was physical touch. Can you touch me more? I mean, even even if it's just a hug or kiss on the neck or a rub on the arm or something like that, just physical touch, um, I need really, I need help with the laundry. Um, can you help take the kids to school or yeah, at this time it was school. And the other one was on Thursday nights, I'm so busy. Can you help with dinner now? Mind you, I didn't know any of this. And we, we, we had been married for seven years, six years at that point, but I had no idea about any of this because my nonverbal communication with my wife at that time, during that time of our life was so negative that she was afraid to even say those things to me. And guys, that ripped my heart out of my chest because if I'm doing that to my wife, I'm doing that to my kids. And then I'm doing that to people I know. And I'm doing that in business. And working on yourself and understanding love language has nothing to do with just relationships. And it has everything to do with you as a person learning how to communicate with one another. So then I just got obsessed with communication nonverbally, And I wanted to read the books. And I started reading books. And I started really going all in on me. But then consciously putting the effort into going in, you know, going in on the things my wife needed. So my advice to you would be to stop this right now, go buy the the five love languages, figure out what your husband's love language is, and then slowly start the process. Don't try to change it overnight. It won't work. You have to have patience. You have to understand how to communicate properly with him. Fill his love tank, then go for the ask. You know, Gary Vee, I I listen to Gary Vee and read a lot of his books, and he has this book called uh, Jab, 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 Right Hook, which is give, 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 then go for the ask. And same can apply to relationships. You know, you don't want to just jump right into, I need you to fix you, because then he's going to say, well, what what, what about me fixing you? What about the things you have to do? Then you get into an argument. So right at the bat, love language. That's just step one, and I'm going to jump into step two in a second. So... Um, and that alpha male thing that you were asking, um, Kat, it is important that you understand that being labeled an alpha male or being, I am a 100% alpha male, hands down, like a hundred percent. I was an alpha male when I was in the army. I was an alpha male when I was a mortgage broker. And when I got into this home, I was an alpha male until I understood that it's okay to be an alpha male. It's 100%. It's okay, because your family needs you to step up and be a leader and to take charge, and that's okay. That's alpha male stuff. That's decision making time. But because I did the self work on me, um, I understood that I can. It's like I'm tapping into the alpha male only when I need to. Other than that, I am I am a, I am 100% a teddy bear. 100%. Like if you were to ask me in a job interview, tell us a little bit about yourself. I would I would say without hesitation. I am a gangster in bunny clothing. Or I'm a bunny in gangster clothing. Meaning I'm a bunny in gangster clothing. So on the outside, I'm not a small guy, I've got tattoos, and you see me walking down the street and I've got a and you know, I've got a tank top on and, and it's nighttime, chances are you're gonna kinda move out of the way. But if you get to know me, you understand that I love you know, movies that are that make you, you know, emotionally connect. I, I love connecting with emotional movies and I love I love uh, music and I love dancing and there's all these things about me that were inside of me that I had to get in touch with. And that was only because I did the self work, right? So for your husband, you know, what advice you give to a woman pointing out the behavior to her partner who just isn't capable of assigning the complaint value because he doesn't agree that it should matter. The only way that you will be able to even attack that question is to is for him to get to a point where he places value on his self work. And then for him to get to a point where he places value on um, your nonverbal communication. And then for him to get to a point where he places value on the ask. And the only way you get to those points is understanding how to communicate with one another through your love language, period. That's it. And it works every time. Trust me, I know because it worked. My wife did it to me like she was a Jedi. It was like a Jedi mind trick. And it worked because I found myself responding to a question that she had asked me a hundred times where I usually respond to, you know, or I'd roll my, whatever it might be. And I found myself responding in a very positive manner. And I, and because I did the self work at, I was aware of the positive manner and away we went. Okay. So that's that first part of your, of your, uh, question. I mean, and a lot of this ha- it does have to do with laundry, but what made you value the process of self-improvement? That's, that's like saying, what makes me value food? I needed to, li- I needed to grow. I needed to, to understand who I am as a man, as a person, as a husband, as a father, as a leader. If you don't value self-improvement, look, I, sometimes I have a problem with the word self-improvement because it feels like it's selfish, like you're only working for you. But let me tell you something. When you value self-improvement, you're actually valuing everybody around you because you're making you better. And when you make you better, you make your situations better. You make everybody around you better. You make people want to be around you. You inspire people. The value was definitely like a personal decision that I made. But when I realized that it had so much effect on the people around me, I just kept going because I saw the look in their eyes and the feeling that they got when they were around me. And that's the value I place on that self-improvement. And and I didn't always have that value. I used to be the negative Nancy who complained about the world and everything. Nothing ever worked. Everybody was against me. Why am I always broke? All these things I would, I mean, my world was filled with that. So when I got introduced to personal growth and development and self-improvement, if it was a CD, I threw it out the window. I was, it was crap. I didn't get it. I didn't understand it. And I didn't think it mattered. And I did that on and off for like six months until finally I sat my butt down and I began the journey and it just, it all kind of clicked and made sense to me. So that's how I place that value on self-improvement. Uh, what would you say to men who don't understand the value, but but kind of know it's important because they don't understand that they will never really make the effort to take the time to, to do the painstaking hard work? Every man understands the importance of uh, um, self-improvement. Every man understands the importance of uh, becoming better because ever since we were kids, all we wanted to do was impress everybody. And we knew that impressing people would mean that we needed to become the best at whatever it was. There's value on it we already have value on self-improvement. What we don't have is a definition in our subconscious of how important it is to the people around us. So, you know, the hard work that goes into personal growth, the hard work when it comes to reason, here's the thing too, when, when you make the decision to want to be better, most people will see it as this overwhelming task that's going to take so much time. And, and you got to put these, this effort into it. And sometimes, some, sometimes people are afraid to even face those demons. All those things that come up when you're making the decision to become better for you first. Um, and if they could see self-improvement as it's a day to day, hour to hour, minute to minute quest, setting goals, not yearly goals, not life goals. How about hourly goals? Setting, Commitments, you know, setting understanding what the home values are and standards, and then going, wait, am I okay with that? And then making them stronger. Um that's not painstaking hard work. It really isn't. It's not. I mean, there are men out there that do much harder work. There are women out there that do much harder work. Do you know how hard it is to be a mom? I mean, really, men. Do you know how hard it is to be a mother? It's a lot of work. Psychologically, physically, emotionally, spiritually, you are balancing the house, the kids, the husband, your personal life, your friends, the family members, the in-laws. It is so gosh darn hard to be a mom. That's why... That's why uh, men or women that want to put in the self-work, that's not that's not hard shit. This is easy stuff. It really is. Starting is easy, continuing is hard. If you can't focus and stay committed to something here, you'll never do it here. Then you'll also never do it here and here is your relationship. Just think about it like that. That's placing, that's understanding value. If you can't, if you want to lose weight and you can't commit to stop eating fast food, or if you want to be smarter and you can't commit to 10 pages a day in a new book, then you'll never commit to picking up the laundry. I mean, these are just little things. This, These are building and, and these are stepping stones that every man must take in order to understand that there is real value in what you're calling complaint value. I don't like that word because when you say complaint, I hear bitching and moaning. It shouldn't be a complaint value. It should be an ask value. It's an ask value. It's not a complaint value. Okay. Um. She says something right here. This is interesting. If you look at the statistics, it's not long from mentally being present in a marriage to a woman declining that her issues don't seem to carry the, weight, the same weight as his. And she leaves him for making her feel insignificant. That's really big. And that's really true too. But it doesn't need to get to that point. If you can truly get to a spot. Okay. So let me jump into this because again, a lot of these are still like kind of down the same, um, question of like, like so many men have hard times dealing with their feelings and frustrations and anger and all this stuff. Okay. Yes. All of it. Men have a hard time tapping into their anger, their frustration. No, sorry. Men have a hard time balancing their anger, their frustration, their love, their empathy, their sympathy, their emotions, all this stuff, Right men and women together as a race as humans have the exact same issues when it comes to the balance of understanding who they are as a person on individual platforms and who they are as a team. So I'm going to jump into this cat and then I'm going to be done with this podcast because this is going to really sum things up for you. So for my wife and I, I've been doing self-work way before I became a stepdad. So Every year at the end of the year, in like end of December timeframe, before the beginning of the year, I would, I would, um, go check into a hotel for 24 hours and I would bring these big pieces of paper, um, and notebooks and I would sit there and I would write down these goals that I wanted to accomplish every year. I mean, I would set some really lofty goals for myself when it comes to my health, my wealth, my physical appearance, my, uh, I think the same as health anyway, um, my relationships, my money, everything. I would set these goals for business, you name it. And for six straight, seven straight years with her and for 10 years that I had been doing it, every single following year, every single retreat, I would call it, um, that I would come to, I would have the same book and I would go back and I would look at the old goals. And I quickly realized that I was really only accomplishing like maybe 5% of what I wrote down. And I didn't come to that conclusion until I was in my marriage and it was, um, I was six years in and I looked at these old goals and then I looked at the year before that and then the year before that. And I had like a, a realization that I was full of shit. Not full of shit because, because I, I mean, again, I was, I was doing the self work and I had these dreams, these goals, and these aspirations to be better. And I wrote them down, but I wasn't executing because for some strange reason, um, I didn't place any real value on them either subconsciously. My subconscious mind, my conscious mind knew what I was writing down. I was excited, but my subconscious mind never got an emotional connection and attachment to the things that I wrote down other than family. It was interesting. So following year, I'm getting ready to do my retreat. Like I always do. I'm in the office. I'm, I'm looking at hotels, <clears throat> getting ready to book. My wife comes in. <clears throat> she gives me a kiss. Um, and then Kat, she goes, honey, thank you for everything you do for us. Again, my love language is words of affirmation. It's right here. And because she said that, it just, it just filled my heart. It filled my spirit. And I, and as she's walking away, I'm looking at her and I asked her to come back in. I said, babe, come here. She comes back in. I go, why don't you come on this retreat with me? Now, mind you guys, at this point, my wife is not big in self development growth. At this point, my wife had not begun her, began her journey as a fitness pro. Okay. She was just a stay at home mom and she was killing it. Um, But at this point, you know she was. As a matter of fact, when I said, "Why don't you come on this goal setting retreat with me?" She hears goal setting retreat and immediately gets overwhelmed because she's never done it before. She feels like she's she she can't do it. I mean, all these like these feelings and emotions like overwhelmed her, which, and I'll get into another episode some other time. That all stems from her past marriage and the way she felt with him. So I asked her to come with me. She agreed reluctantly, and um, we go to Staples and we get one of those, you guys can't see it, but it's a big easel board. You know, the post, they're called post-it tabletop dry erase pads. And we get two notebooks, pens, and we check into this hotel. We, you know, we have, we have somebody watch the kids. We check into the hotel, and then we made a commitment to turn off our phones, put on some great music that we can just relax to. And for the first few hours, all we did was just write in the books about things that we wanted to accomplish for ourselves. Now, this wasn't like very specific. These were just kind of like general, Things that we wanted to accomplish. These were like making a list, or it didn't even have to be in order. It was kind of chaotic, right? All over the place. <clears throat> and then we sat down and then we went downstairs and got something to eat, enjoying the conversation and talking about kind of the things that we wanted to accomplish, which is where she brought up the fitness stuff. And then we went back up and we sat down and we talked about what do we want to accomplish as a family? Like, I mean, it's easy to say, like, it's easy to say that we want to be the very best parents that we can be. We want to raise great children, but what are some things that we can write down today? Some goals that we can, uh, we can shoot for both spiritually and mentally and for family and for kids. Like what are the things that we could do together as a team that we agree on are very important in order to get our family to the next step and the next level. So then we sat down, we wrote down those goals and what we want to accomplish as a family and as a team. <clears throat> and you'll notice that I started off with the whole me part, right? Like focusing on what you want to accomplish for yourself and then focusing on the we part, which is what do you want to accomplish as a team? And then we moved on to the kids. The crazy thing is, is that when you focus on one and two, three naturally happens. Three naturally happens. So we write down these big ideas and goals that we want to accomplish for one another, which again, this is where the theory <clears throat> or the idea of the game, the board game came to came into it because we wanted something tangible that we could touch, feel, smell, taste, not taste, i will taste it. But we wanted to see something in front of us that we can actually play. And then we understood that the only real connection, no, let me rephrase this. The only real way that we were going to change our relationship for the better was to fully commit to the consistency of the things that we were writing down. So we broke down our four specific goals into, or our goals into four for each of us. And we broke down our family into four so we can work on it together. We put it up on the board game. We wrote down, like I said earlier, you know, I wrote, she wrote, she asked me for the four things for her, which is the touch and the helping and all that stuff. And I wrote down the things for her. Um, and again, and we, you know, it's a, it's a board game that lasts for a month. And it's not an everyday thing, but your objective is to pick four things, four items, and commit to, so four items, and commit to 16 different acts of service. Meaning like, so again, mine was physical touch, uh, laundry, driving the kids, and um, dinners. And I knew physical touch was her her love language. So remember, there's 16. You wanna to try to lead, do it 16. So that's, that's guys and girls, I'm only asking you to commit to the consistency for half the month. And some of you can't do it for 10 days. But anyway, so you pick up four things. the 16 things you want to do, meaning you have 16 different times throughout the month. But you can break it up. So for me, I went physical touch, five. And I'll, uh, doing the laundry, two. Uh, making the dinner, and every, until it added to 16. And I committed to those those days. I committed to 16 times. I am going to do the things that you're asking me and you're telling me that are important to you. And I'm going to do those throughout the month, at least 16 times, at least. I'm committing to the consistency of at least 16 different times to to accomplish what you asked me to do. And away we went and then we started to play. And guys, it was so much fun because it ended up becoming a little bit of a competition because we have these little pieces on the board where every time you do the thing that you say you're gonna do, so if I like physical touch and I made dinner, I would have two pieces on the board. And if she came in and she sees nothing, and she's like, oh, man, I gotta get on it. And then away she goes with, Speaking my love language, and it became this fun game. And it's crazy what happened. About halfway through the month, we ended up doing things for one another, on the board game and off the board game, unconsciously. It ended up becoming habit, and we established new, new, new values on our relationship and the things that mattered. And I want to bring this full circle back to you, Kat. Which is how do you, how do you, how do they place the value on what matters to you? And the answer to that is consistency, is once you've established what that is that you want them to do in a way that you're communicating properly with them and not aggressively so they attack you, but once you establish what it is, commit to the consistency for one month. It's like the weight loss challenge or any other challenge you see out there. Commit to the consistency. That doesn't mean doing it every day. That's overwhelming. That's why we picked half the month. But if you commit to the consistency of it, things change rapidly. And now, my wife and I are amazing, and we are strong, and our relationship is huge. And guys, I haven't even jumped into what I did with the kids. Once I got the work done with me, and then once I got the work done with us, when I jumped into the kids, man, I was running. And I understood the simple things that built my relationship up with my kids. My oldest child, Brinley, I don't know if you guys saw this, but I posted this on, on Facebook. It took me 10 years for her to finally open up to me and tell me what I meant to her. 10 years, guys. 10 years of patience. 10 years of, oh, am I doing a good job? Does she even like me? Oh, man, I, 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 I don't want to. I walked on eggshells with my oldest daughter for the longest time because she's the oldest. She was connected to her dad more than anybody. And then I get this letter. And if you, you know, I'll even, I guess I can try to post it here, but you won't be able to see it. I'll put a link in maybe. And everything made sense. And what it told me was this. It told me that everything that I decided to do with me, with us, and then with them, in that order, putting in the work, time, energy, and effort, broken down into small bite-sized pieces, paid off in the end. So that's why, that's what I'm going to tell you here, Kat. I know you want him to change. I know you want him to place real value on the things that matter to you. But if you can't properly communicate with him in a way where he doesn't go on the defense, it's like a radio that you can't tune in. You're always kind of, you, get, you, get, you kind of hear it and then it goes out. And you kind of hear it and it goes out. You know what I mean? You don't, you know what I mean? You have to find his frequency. But when you find his frequency, the music is loud. Same goes for you. So I highly recommend to anybody that couples retreat that we did, I think that's what we call it. We called it our retreat or something, but I highly recommend that day away. First of all, it's time to decompress. Second, um, when you're alone and away from the kids and you're kind of talking through your life and then you're talking through your love languages and you're, t- and you're understanding it, guys, your connection goes from like, like, I love you to like, I love, 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 love you. I mean, you start to open up, right? And for men that are alpha dogs and that are alpha males, it's definitely, don't try to put your partner in a position to choose between being a man and being whatever you feel like he should be. Because remember, alpha males are going to always place a negative value on things that are below them, right? Which is a non-alpha male, somebody that gets walked all over, You know, somebody that cries all the damn time, you know, alpha males will look down on that and be like, I'm never gonna be that. But if you can get to a point where alpha male, for instance, myself, when you can get to a point where you can understand that emotions are like a fucking superpower to alpha males. If you can understand how to connect to your emotions as an alpha male, you will win because you will be more empathetic. You will be more sympathetic. Your nonverbal language will be right where it's supposed to be and you will find yourself in positions of winning way more than you're currently doing now for most alpha males we put on this you know don't tell me what to do i can do it myself type thing you guys don't understand it's a non it's a non-verbal communication with the way you speak to the world and every one of us every one of us alpha males have that language that you could speak to us it works every time. Again, remember, I'm the alpha male. Okay, In my relationship, I was the 100%. I'm the man, I'm the leader, I'm the, I'm the machismo. I'm that, that's me. And then when, when my wife spoke my love language, um, it just filled my heart with joy. It does, because we all have it. We all have that love and joy within us. And it filled me up to a point where I was more receptive to what she needs, to what she needed. So now, fast forward a few years, We don't play the game every month because we don't need it every month. Everything's become so consistent. But let me tell you something. Our communication is so open now that when things start to fall off or when things start to kind of go a different direction, my wife can come talk to me about it. Hey, babe, you mind if I sit down and we can talk to you about the, uh, you know, about some of the things that are happening within the house? Sure. Absolutely. Sit down because it's important to me. Why? Because playing the game and understanding her love language and mine, I placed value on us. God, I hope that helps. Um, so again, last thing, I highly recommend that you do the day away with your partner. Make it fun. Don't make it so... Stop taking it so serious. When we, when we put all of our energy and emotion into something, we make it real serious. It feels overwhelming. Like, again, like losing weight or eating right or starting a company or writing a book. When you look at it in the, big, in the big picture, oh man, it's overwhelming. When I wanted to start this podcast and the show and I wanted to do everything I'm doing now, when I wanted to make this movie behind me, at first it seemed just overwhelming because I didn't wanna do the hard work. Although I knew it was needed, like I was kind of afraid of it. Most of it is afraid, that whole afraid of failure thing, right? But, but when I broke it down into bite-sized pieces, same thing with the relationship, break it down into bite-sized pieces, And only only do what you can do, but have patience along the path. And don't automatically assume that they're going to be non-receptive to what you have to say. Listen, if you can learn to speak their language correctly, you will communicate with them in a way that you've never done before. But whatever you do, once you see that it worked, don't automatically just unload. Don't unload on them. Ease your way in. Easier way that I like my wife, where she says the Oreo cookie. She came in, she says, "Honey, I really believe. I mean, you're doing amazing. You know, thank you so much for everything you've done with the house and picking up." I'm like, "Of course, baby, you know I got you." She's like, "It just it means a lot to me." I'm like, "Of course." Again, filling my love language, and then she goes, "Honey, would you mind um, running after to dance tonight and then just throwing a pizza in?" I'm like, "Sure, I got you." She goes, "You're so amazing. Any do you need anything for me?" And I'm like, "No, I'm good." She goes, "Okay." Now again. If that would have if she would have come in and didn't do any of the beginning and just said, hey, honey, I need you to run the kids and I need you to throw pizza in. <sighs> Nonverbal, the way she talked to me, we're not, we're not speaking the same language to one another, and it's not gonna work. So I hope that I broke it down in the best way I possibly could. You guys, this is episode 31 of the Professional Step Dad Podcast. Thank you very much for coming, for joining, for listening. Please subscribe, please do all that other fun stuff, share whatever it might be, Uh, the only way I can help other stepdads and just people in general is for me to build a bigger platform. And I am humble enough to know that if I'm speaking to one of you, I win. And I win in a way because I can feel a positive change within your life. And it just excites me. Thanks guys. Have a great day. Stay focused productions.